1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, I done was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Touchdown! Oh, he's done it again! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben.
0: Oh, it's a wonderful day in fantasy football when you look at a team that you drafted months ago and realize that you have Paul Armstead. Reason to celebrate, I guess. Hey, uh, it's an optimistic look, right? Adam Azer here with Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, and second show of the week. Well, forget about the bonus show. It's Ben Gretsch time. Welcome.
2: The, sec- the 2.5 show. Yes,
0: <laughs> exactly. Ben Gretsch is here. And we're going to tell you all uh, our favorites, or at least Jamie, Dave, and Ben will tell you their favorite player. The players that are drafting a lot and the players that are basically on their their do not draft lists. Will that include any uh, Jacksonville running backs? We will find out. Jamie and Dave uh, spoke to you a few hours ago. Anything new?
1: Alvin uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alan Kamara. Right. Okay. You know, we can lead with that. Alvin Kamara. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Breaking Either news. Either that or else probably some crappy Jets news out there. You know? <laughs> Whatever tickles your fancy, Adam.
0: Well, okay. Alvin Kamara has been missing practice. Speculation is that it's contract related. So
1: They're unexcused absences.
0: I have some ADP risers and fallers in the notes today. One of them is Joe Mixon. He's down seven spots to 20th overall and that's got to be in response to the migraine-slash-contract-slash-whatever has been keeping him out of practice. Now we've got Kamara in this boat as well. Uh, Jamie, when should we draft Alvin
3: Kamara? Fourth. You know, I, I, I'm i not going to shy away from him now, but we get to, you know, the end of the week, and he's still not there, then then that's alarming. But, you know, these things hopefully have a way of working itself out, and uh, I think it's more you keep Kamara in the same spot for now, but you you take a little bit of a earlier chance on, on Latavius Murray, just in case things don't go the way that you hope for with Kamara. But in terms of Joe Mixon, um, our colleague Pete Prisco drink uh, spoke to Zach Taylor on CBS sports HQ. That interview will be out on Wednesday, I believe, but Pete uh, said that he asked about Mixon and they said they expect Mixon back um, by, by Tuesday. So um, Sounds like it could just be migraines, and, and he's going to be out there for a guy that was, you know, dealing with some potential contract situation. So hopefully, you know, Kamara, either gets paid or realizes that he's going to have to bank on himself like Dalvin Cook is doing. And if you have any concern about Kamara at four, take Dalvin Cook at four.
0: Well, but weren't you taking Kamara at three?
3: Yeah, I I I, I changed that um, a few days ago, and and now it just makes easy sense to take Zeke at three.
0: Okay, Ben, Dave, any disagreement?
1: The only the only thought I have is. What are these players thinking? Do they really think that they're going to hold out and not have the team take action against them, appropriate action that could cost them? Like the the new CBA has made it clear that holdouts just aren't they're not going to be tolerated and they're not going to be easy. So I don't understand what the end game really is going to be and I would be surprised if any of the potential holdouts miss significant time this year.
2: Yeah, I mean the Melva Gordon situation can't play out here where Gordon right. missed significant chunk of the season and then still had his contract toll and was able to, to sign as a free agent. Kamara won't get an accrued season if he holds out into the season. So it's definitely a different situation with a new CBA right now, but I'm still wary, man. Like that hasn't been tested. We don't know for sure. There is some, you know, some lack of clarity there. Um, And you're talking about a top five pick. You're talking about a lot of other really interesting options. Like Jamie said, you know, feels a lot more comfortable to take Zeke. I've had Kamara three all along. And I've been taking him a lot, so if I'm drafting, I'm not going to continue to add to my Camaro exposure. I probably wouldn't take him until the later part of the first round, maybe. But really? uh, I think I'd still have a hard time if if he's not showing up. He knows the deal, and he's not showing up. So, and they're they're calling it unexcused. Like none of that sounds good.
0: So. Latavius Murray in two games without Kamara last year. He had 30 touches in one game. He had 32 touches in another game. He had 31 PPR fantasy points and 36 PPR fantasy points in those two games. And 26 and 27 non-PPR fantasy points. He was incredible uh, without Alvin Kamara. Do you see the depth chart maybe being different this year where they wouldn't just give Latavius Murray all that work? They have Ty Montgomery, for example, uh, do you th- do you think that Latavius Murray is a workhorse or in a committee if Alvin Kamara is not playing for whatever reason?
3: I mean, they're going to give Ty Montgomery, if he's the third guy, some work. I-, I would be surprised if they didn't. You know, I mean, Murray is is capable of doing everything, as he's shown in not just with the Saints, but in previous stops. But, you know, look, this, this is assuming that Kamara is going to miss significant time. You know, if it's one or two games and... Uh, they'll probably lean on Murray as much as they leaned on Kamara when Mark Ingram was out. Okay, so let I,
0: me. So let me. Uh, I'm not a question. Government. Well, I'll make it a broader question, right? What What is the upside for Latavius Murray if Alvin Kamara, for whatever reason, missed serious time? What kind of a running top back 10. would he be? Okay. Okay. Works for me. Not uh,
1: top ten draft pick. Top ten. No. Running top back. ten production. Right. Okay. Which means that, like, if Kamara was out for the season, let's just say. Murray would be, he might end up being the pick around or after Chris Carson. Wait a second.
0: Top 10 running back. Ooh, that's just, that's his up. Okay. Chris Carson in the third round. I think if, if Latavius Murray. All
3: right. If, if you told me, <laughs> Alvin Kamara says right now, I'm sitting out the season. <laughs> right. I'm pulling a Le'Veon Bell. I'm right, taking, right, right. I'm taking Latavius Murray in round two.
0: That's what I was getting at. Thank you for yeah. making that uh, more direct. And, less yeah, right. and I'm pathetic. sitting round three.
1: Right. Round three. All
0: right. Uh, I have a question. Is this interesting? And here's here's what the question is is uh, is about. Is this interesting? Ben Gretsch thinks it's interesting. I know that. Over the last two seasons, I looked at the top five wide receivers and targets in both 2018 and 19. So that is 10 players. Uh, some are repeats like Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins, but we're looking at 10 wide receivers that finished top five and targets in the last two seasons. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, in almost every instance, instance, the number two player on those on their teams in targets had a hundred and four or fewer targets. Uh, so you're talking about why did I do this? I'm trying to figure out who's going to lead the NFL in targets. You need somebody who's going to dominate targets and doesn't have a threat. The only exception over the last two years was the Steelers in 2018 when they had both Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster get over 160 targets. But every other situation, you have had a low-target guy as number two on the team. No more than 104 targets for the second uh, receiver, running back, whoever it was. In fact, if you look at the 2019 target leaders, those five guys, the number two guy in targets on those teams, three times out of five, it was a running back. Um, So, if you're trying to just project targets, you should look for wide receivers that are going to absolutely dominate on their teams. Ben, I'm glad you thought this was interesting. Please um, support my research and tell me why it matters.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you noted the Steelers threw a ton. And I think that probably the Bucks would also be on that list if Evans and Godwin didn't both get hurt last year. I think Evans may have finished top five. I'm not positive. Um, but... they were also a team that threw a ton. Um, So on on one hand, I think I, I, I hear that. And I, it it doesn't concern me for Calvin Ridley because with Dirt cutter in Atlanta, I think they're going to throw a ton. I think Julio will probably be top five and and Calvin Ridley will still get more than that 104, but I do think it's a really interesting stat for a couple other guys. I've talked about it with uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Jared cook and the ancillary saints guys. Although if Camara's out that changes things there, but I don't think those guys have a huge target ceiling but the one guy that immediately popped in my head, and this is like a perfect stat for him, And I love his profile. I was talking about him before he was really kind of on the scene, like during the season last year, cause I've had him stashed in some dynasty leagues. I, I loved his production profile. Um, and I love his situation right now is a clear, I think the clear number two, it's Alan Lazard, I think is a really interesting guy. And we've talked about him a lot on the pod and Heath really likes him. I think he's a a really good example of a guy that looks good in projections as well. He's going to, Project pretty well as the number two pass option, but I haven't drafted this guy anywhere. He's one of the most frustrating players for me this year because I believe in him, but I also believe that even if I'm right about him, he probably caps out around where the stat says around hundred targets. And then you're probably talking about a boomer bust wide receiver three, which that is the kind of player that you can find on the waiver wire. I always say receivers kind of shallow. Um, I think that the real elite upside wide receiver profiles are shallow. I don't think Lazard has legitimate upside unless Adams misses time. And he's also probably not going to get red zone work. Adams has like the clearest red zone role of any number one uh, receiver. So he's the guy that popped out to me It's like very, very frustrating. I never draft him because I don't think he has legitimate upside, even though I love his talent. I do think he'll be the number two, but even if I'm right about him, I don't think he's ever going to be a player that would crack my starting lineups.
3: The thing, the thing I think that we're seeing with him is, you get one report that says he's looking like the clear cut number two guy. And then you get other reports of Marquez Valdez handling role is going to increase. And uh, ESB role is going to increase. And, you know, where does he sort of fit in as the second guy? Because again, he is the second guy, but does he do anything that's going to, you know, blow away Aaron Rodgers and the coaching staff that he's going to get those hundred targets? Like, I, I almost feel like that's the ceiling for him is a hundred targets and, and I'm with you. Like, you know, if and I'll compare him to a guy that I know you don't like in Emmanuel Sanders. And so like Sanders as the second guy for the Saints versus Lazard as the second guy for the Packers. If Sanders is getting the second targets that we've seen the last three years, then he is worthless, which I know is kind of your point, Ben. If yeah. if he's getting the Sanders targets that we're used to seeing, which, you know, have clearly changed over the last couple of years with the Achilles injury, he's going to probably be better than Lazard because of what they need from him in this offense. And so it's just a matter of like, who does more in that second role behind a great wide receiver with a great quarterback, uh, different systems. Um, Like that's, that's one, I think you could favorably compare different players, but circumstances could be the same if, they kind of unfold the way that I think a lot of people, how they view each of those players.
0: Right, but but this stat, I mean, the the other way of looking at it is what Ben said about Alan Lazard should make you more com- confident in Devontae Adams being top five in targets. Uh, for him to not be top five in targets, that probably means they're really, really not throwing the ball a lot. Um, Julio Jones is interesting, though, because I've brought this stat up. His target share uh, before the Calvin Ridley injury, I think that's what it was, it was 21% and then it was like 35% the last three games of the season. But to put that in perspective, Julio Jones is routinely around 28% target share. So, you know, Calvin Ridley didn't even get to 100 targets last year. I think he was around 93 or something like that. Um, so I don't know, I, th- I thought he was interesting. I think Godwin is interesting. Will he be top five in targets? I'm I'm thinking no, because they won't throw as much. It doesn't mean he can't be a top five receiver. Um you know, I, th- I just thought, you know, they, for for the most part, the guys who are top five in targets absolutely dominate targets on their team. And when and the Steelers, when they had Juju and and Brown, they led the NFL in recept- in uh, pass attempts. They have a much better defense this year. I'm hoping that Juju can get close to top five in targets. But uh, do you guys see a second receiver on this team getting a hundred, or a second player on this team getting a hundred targets
1: for the Steelers? No. Okay. But I can see, like, four guys getting 75 targets. Right. I
2: think Johnson could, Deontay Johnson.
1: There, There is talk coming out of Pittsburgh all about Chase Claypool and how he's dominating, which, I mean, when you're Andre the Giant at wide receiver, that's got a chance of happening. So uh, he could end up getting 70 targets this year. James Washington could. Deontay could get 90. Ebron could get 70. Vance McDonald could get 15. So now we're talking about a lot of targets that aren't going Juju's way. So this is just one of those. This is one of the big reasons why I'm not as on board with Juju Smith-Schuster as you guys are. I think he'll be good with the targets he gets. I don't think he's getting 10 targets
3: per game. It's funny because you see DeAndre Hopkins getting more targets than Juju, right?
1: Uh, I definitely see him getting more touchdowns than Juju.
3: Targets maybe similar. I would take Juju's targets. I think he's got a better opportunity.
1: I'll go on record. I'll say Hopkins gets more than Juju
0: we got more news to get to here. Let's also promote a few awesome, awesome things. We have our six-hour fantasy football draft-a-thon this Wednesday, September 2nd, supporting St. Jude. All of your fantasy questions, there's trivia, there's games, there's Nando, there's uh, Sportsline, <laughs> there's William Hill experts, uh, much more great industry guests. Adam Rank from, uh, from NFL Network is going to come on and yell at me, probably. Uh, I probably should order a Beastie Boy shirt or something. CBS Sports HQ from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today from 8 p.m. Eastern until midnight. So it is six hours long, first two hours on HQ, next four on Twitch, and we hope you're there and we hope you're donating and helping St. Jude. I'm uh, please, if you want your questions answered, leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcast. Um, we got mailbags throughout the season, so you'll get your questions answered. Five-star review would be wonderful, and um, yeah, feel free to ask us anything you need. News and notes. So we did a bonus episode on Leonard Fournette. It's 15 minutes long. Go ahead and listen to it. Uh, ben, you want to give your thoughts on uh, the Jacksonville situation? Also, people want to know how much fab—we'll start with this. How much fab would you spend on a Jacksonville running back if you've already drafted? And then we'll talk about Leonard Fournette and Dynasty. But Gretchy, uh, what would you do fab-wise for a Jaguars running back?
2: Not a ton, maybe twenty percent or something. If I was like on the desperate side, I I, I think these guys are both probably like round ten for Well, now, round nine, round ten. I mean, you think about the other running backs that go in those ranges, like the Boston Scotts of the world, the Zach Mosses of the world. I mean, he maybe he goes a little higher. Antonio Gibson. I still want all those guys over Raekel Armstead, and you know, there's obviously a huge opportunity here, but we don't know. They might bring in a, a free agent. We don't know if. uh, uh, it will be Rykel or it will be Ozigbo. We do know that Chris Thompson's likely to plan passing downs, and this is not a very good team, and there's not going to be a ton of scoring opportunities. My concern is this winds up being similar to Miami last year where they just didn't have a lot of running back production in the whole offense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, these are not guys for me that I'm going crazy for at all.
3: I can't see the, the non-Thompson guys, one standing out above the rest. Like Armstead's the one that you should target, but, you know, uh, since we spoke Adam, him, I think I may have referenced it on the emergency podcast, but um, you know, Pete Prisco says they really like Robinson and, you know, we'll see how, uh, how that unfolds. And, you know, Zigbo is somebody that could, you know, make it uncomfortable for both guys, but Thompson, if he stays healthy, he's going to be involved the most, you know, and his role is like It's the same thing with the Patriots. just on a much worse scenario. James White's the one that you should want. Okay. maybe, Damien Harris is going to have an opportunity, maybe Sonny Michelle, But you know James White is going to do what he does. And Chris Thompson, you know he's going to do what he does. And he's been getting rave reviews prior to Fournette getting released. So he's really the only one in PPR that I would take. In non-PPR, I'd take Armstead just with the hope that he's getting the touchdowns. But he wasn't good in the in the Week 17 game. He was good catching the ball, and that's not going to be him.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do, Dave, with Leonard Fournette in a Dynasty League?
1: You hold on to him. Because if you cut him, someone else will pick him up off the waiver wire. And if you trade him, all you're going to get is like Larry Fitzgerald in a sixth round pick. It's not worth it. <laughs> okay. Let's see where he lands. And I mean, why are you going to disparage
3: Larry on his birthday? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's his so birthday. It is. It is his birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Larry Fitzgerald. All right. So uh, if you'd asked that the trivia Wednesday, I would have got it.
0: The, uh, the Ravens are not going to say, they're, they're being coy about how much Lamar Jackson's going to run. Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, saying, I think we'll all have to wait and find out. He went on to say, this is from ESPN. Um, well, this is where I read it. I think it's also an in-game feel for how the game is going and how the defense is playing. I think we're at the point now where we have a pretty good menu when we go into a game.
1: Mm. Ooh.
0: Yeah, delicious. We can see how the game is going and understand that things are going to change in the course of a game. It's a very vanilla, very annoying quote there. ESPN also noted that in the last two seasons, and Jackson wasn't even a starter for the first half of the first year, he has 265 design runs, Lamar Jackson. Second on that list among quarterbacks is Josh Allen with 106. That's 159 more than Josh Allen. Uh, is this newsworthy and or what?
2: It, it's a little bit. I But I would also add to that it's not just the design runs. Jackson had, I think, 174 carries last year, and Allen was the only other one who had over 100, only other quarterback who had over 100. And I believe he had, I'm looking it up now, he had 109. So Jackson had like, 65 more rush attempts i think last year than any other quarterback so i mean he could scale back a little bit and he's, he's an efficient runner obviously but he could scale back a little bit and still have a really significant advantage in terms of the rushing production that he provides it's not great for his elite you know upside but it, i don't think it um is something to panic about it's a little bit different because he runs so much more than every other quarterback
0: Jamie, I'm going to just designate you as the news guy here. All right, let's fly through the rest of these notes so we can talk about who we keep drafting and who's on the uh, the do-not-draft list, basically. Miles Sanders has a hamstring injury. That's what he's been dealing with, according to Adam Kaplan.
3: I think you still draft him in the same spot. Back end of round one, if you get him in early round two, that's fantastic. But similar to where you're you know, sort of uh, increasing the value for Latavius Murray, you should have been increasing the value for Boston Scott because right now, they don't have another running back, and I... Hope that's the case with somebody prominent, available.
0: (laughs) Devontae Parker has been out with, it seems like a minor issue.
3: Yeah, Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald said that uh, Brian Flores doesn't seem to be concerned, so I wouldn't be concerned either. San Francisco linebacker
0: Fred Werner is on the reserve COVID list. That doesn't mean he tested positive. It could just mean he came into contact with somebody. A lot of times players go on the list. They come off in just a few days, so we'll keep an eye on that. The Niners open up with Arizona in week one. And a couple Great bus
3: call by Heath about the 49ers. You know, don't draft them early.
0: <laughs> Jason Lockenfora had a note, a couple Bengals notes here. Jason Lockenfora said, continue to hear nothing but superlatives about Joe Burrow. By the middle of the season, the Bengals offense is going to be something to see. Um, and then uh, Joe Burrow, this is not from Lockenfora, but Joe Burrow predicted a big year from Tyler Boyd. <laughs> It's the only guy catching passes for him right now. Reading my notes, I messed up pretty bad. But Boyd's in a good spot. Yeah, and actually, Dave, I feel like Tyler Boyd is, is one player that we never talk about, at least never expand on. So he's someone that you wrote about that you think is going to have a great year. So tell me, Dave, how you feel about Tyler Boyd.
1: I think he could potentially lead the Bengals in targets. That would probably take an A.J. Green injury for that to happen. But guess what? He's banged up already, and he's missed a lot of time in the last season and a half. When he did last play with Tyler Boyd, Boyd still got a nice slate of targets. He was efficient with them, and that was coming from Andy Dalton. Burrow is better. Burrow has leaned on slot receivers before. He's looking for crisp route runners in this offense, at least it's what he did at LSU. This offense is going to be exactly the same, but similar components, West Coast style, and I think Tyler Boyd's going to end up catching a lot of passes, going to be really good for PPR, and uh, he used to be one of those guys that I bet a lot of fantasy managers said, well, I need a wide receiver. It's round six. I'm going to take him. You should be a little more excited to have Tyler Boyd on your squad. I think he could end up being very good, career-year-type good.
0: Would you take Tyler Boyd or Marquise Brown?
1: Brown and non-PPR is super easy. I'm still going to take Brown over Boyd in full PPR, partially because I think I can get both if I take Brown first. Okay,
0: fair enough. Hey, Ben Gretsch, how's your summer going? Good summer?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good.
0: You've been,
2: uh, I'm golfing a lot.
0: Yeah. Finding your, your moments to chill.
2: I I am finding my moments to chill. Good. Cause
0: you have to, you know, look, it's a tough summer. It's uh social distancing, wearing masks and just it's been different. All right. It's been difficult and it's been different for sure. But, uh, Coors light is helping you out. They want to make it easier for you to chill this summer and give you a break from the stress and the pressures of daily life. And I'm going to let Ben talk about that because yeah, he hits the golf course and, uh, I don't know how good he is, but I know he's having a nice beverage when he's out there golfing.
2: Yeah, I played Saturday morning. Uh, hey. Shot an 83. I mean, it was a par 67, no par fives on this course, kind of a shorter course, but pretty good round for me. Uh, started at 7 a.m., but, you know, hit the turn is about 30, 10 a.m. My buddy's like, I need a beer. <laughs> he was not playing as well. And it was time to chill. So I went and got a couple of silver bullets for the back nine. And they kept me going. I kept playing pretty well. The the mountains were blue. Perfect refreshment when you're out golfing. Also perfect refreshment when you're inside for the summer. So Coors Light is definitely the, the beer that I choose when I need a moment of chill. And when you want to reset the summer, you should also reach for the beer that's made to chill.
0: And if you don't want to go out and get Coors Light, you can have it delivered by going to get.coorslight.com and finding local delivery options near you. That's get.coorslight.com to have it delivered and find that local delivery option near you. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Draft responsibly, I guess. Take your players. Find the ones you love and draft them as often as you can. So let's talk about the players we keep on drafting. Now, yesterday you heard 15 sleepers breakouts and busts, a total of 45 players. Dave, Jamie, and Heath uh, went nuts with players they like and don't like. So I'm going to let Ben lead off here. Ben, give me a few players that you just keep on drafting.
2: Well, I got accused last week of not dra- liking any running backs. So let's start with a couple of running backs. Boston Scott and Zach Moss. As soon as we get through that running back dead zone that I always talk about not liking a lot of those running backs, Boston Scott and Zach Moss are guys that I'm hitting a lot in round eight, round seven, round nine, depending on how the draft's going. Um,
3: and and on, earlier, on Scott, John... Huh? What's that? That high on Scott, huh?
2: I mean, I, I've taken him not, I haven't taken him in seven. Moss is the one that I will slide up to seven, usually Scott, but yes, eight or nine for Scott. I've definitely seen him going that high. So I've missed out on him on a couple spots where I've seen him go that high. Um, But yeah, he's a great high value touch guy. I think the, the, the receptions and the green zone work that I look for. So I think the ceiling is really high. If if Sanders were to miss some time, if that hamstring crops back up, and I think he's going to have standalone value. I think he's like a mini Kareem hunt, but several rounds later, uh, the Taylor, Ron Jones. You guys know those guys. That I love them. So there's some running backs that I actually do draft. I only name four because most of my guys are all receivers. DJ Moore, AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs, Will Fuller, Tyler Boyd, Christian Kirk, Miko Hardman, Laviska Shenault, Ch- Nikhil Harry, Brandon Ayuk. I've been <laughs> drafting these guys all off season. JB jokes all the time that he could just do my drafts for me in our mocks. You still so you're still, so you're still on Brandon Ayuk. I, I am. I mean, he's still really cheap. So yeah, as he's long got as a you he get him really cheap.
0: He's got, like He's got a hamstring injury. Debo's making good progress. He um, has had a great offseason, at least according, I mean, according to reports. Yeah.
2: I, I, we've talked about this with the rookies a little bit, and I wrote an article, actually. You can find CBS, if you type in whatever, Ben Gretsch, rookies, CBS sports on, on Google. You'll probably find it. I made the case that rookies are the key to, to redraft leagues this year. And I think there's two reasons. One, there's the narrative that's probably a very valid narrative that because they were behind on on uh, the off-season work that that they're not going to have as big of early-season roles, uh, and we've heard that from some coaches. They've flat out told us that. But then, two, you also had way back before we even knew they were going to miss time in April, we had 19 running backs and receivers go in the first two rounds of the draft. So you already were in a position in like rookie drafts where we were seeing guys like Chenault, for example. He's going late second in rookie drafts. Guy went uh, 42nd overall, or 40. I don't know, top 50 picks. Um, great prospect profile guy I've loved all along. You don't usually see a guy go in the top 50 picks to a a wide receiver needed team that's building for the future that has, you know, two veterans ahead of him on expiring contracts and DD Westbrook and Chris Conley. And then he's, you know, he's not even getting talked about. And and part of that's because in dynasty, it wasn't getting talked about because there's just so many receivers. Ayuk's another example of this. He's a forgotten first rounder. I think people forget that the Niners traded up in the first round to draft this dude. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to, I mean, it might take a couple of weeks, but I think all of uh, these later round, not all of them, but s- several of these later round rookies, especially Chenault can, and like Zach Moss, who I mentioned uh, for running backs, those are all really interesting targets, I think.
0: I want to ask you about Stefan Diggs. Buffalo is year after year a low passing volume team. And. John Brown had a really good year last year. John Brown had, uh, let's see, he had 1,060 yards and six touchdowns on 115 targets in 15 games. So, look, I think we can all agree Stefan Diggs is a really good football player, very talented guy. But how does he have upside? I know you love drafting for upside. He's like a round five-ish pick. He's, you know, in that, uh, I don't know, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark kind of group. But considering there are some malice to feed on the offense and they don't throw very much, they have a questionable quarterback, we could say, in terms of passing ability. How does Stefan Diggs have the upside that you are always looking for?
2: Yeah, he doesn't really have projectable upside. I agree with that, where they don't look like they're going to throw a ton. He's somebody you can tell a story for. And there's a couple of reasons why I would say that. Number one, I would say Stephon Diggs is a top 10 wide receiver talent in the NFL. And I think people... Should raise their eyebrows at that. But if you look at his career and you look, you can go to airyards.com and look at their different depths of target. Stephon Diggs' catch rate at every depth of target is well above average for his career. There's not a lot of receivers that are that good in, in the shallow part of the field, in the intermediate part of the field, and the deep part of the field. The story that you tell yourself about Diggs is the last couple of years, the Vikings pigeonholed him. And typically, we don't see guys' uh, average depth of target move a lot year after year. The receiver tends to be the same type of player. What happened with Diggs in 2018 and 2019 was he went from an underneath option, very low average depth of target, to an extreme deep threat. He didn't even see 100 targets last year. He saw 148 the year before. He was good in both roles. Yeah. Um, and he, like I said, has been good at all depths throughout his whole career. So the point would be that Diggs has been waiting to explode. The Vikings have not been using him like a number one. But the Bills are going to treat him like a number one. And the evidence there would be they tried to trade for Antonio Brown last offseason. This offseason, they didn't just give up a first round pick for Diggs. They gave up a fourth, a fifth, and a late round swap that favored Minnesota to get Diggs. A ton of capital, clear number one wide receiver capital to trade for this guy. And they've been talking all offseason. I know when Jamie had uh, Joe Biscaglia on, he mentioned they know that Diggs wants the ball and needs the ball. He, he's thought of as a little bit of a prima donna. Well, they're saying everything all the positive things you want to hear about that. They're, if you're a Diggs fan, they're saying we know he's a number one receiver. We want to get him the ball. Last year was Cole Beasley's first ever hundred target season. I think Diggs eats up a lot of those underneath targets. I don't think that, I think that was more out of necessity. Beasley was good, but Diggs is going to eat up a lot of those shallow and intermediate targets. And I think he's still going to have obviously plenty of, of chances to make plays downfield, which he was amazing in that role last year. He averaged like 12.5 yards per target down the field. Obviously Allen's not as accurate as cousins, but I think Doug Diggs could get fed in a way that he's never gotten fed before, a massive uh, target share that would get him to the volume and hopefully the efficiency that can make him a top-ten receiver, I, I think.
0: And I said round five. It looks like he's more of a round six pick, Stefan Diggs. He's still in that group, but I guess I'm just used to seeing Medcalf, McLaurin, Sutton go in you know, late round four, early round five. But according to ADP, a lot of these guys, not all of them, but a lot of them are... Really more like late round five or, or into round six
3: pitch. I think when you when you draft digs, it kinda of comes down to how you feel about Josh Allen because you know, you, you're always gonna marry the top receiver to the quarterback and it it if you're on the side of Josh Allen's gonna improve as a passer and you know this is gonna be somebody who makes him better in terms of digs, helping his performance, then you buy into digs. But if you are anti Josh Allen and think Aaron throws and you know, a guy who's erratic and can't hit the deep ball consistently, then why would you draft Stephon Diggs? So it just makes sense to see him in this spot. Um, I, I mean, I think Diggs is a, just an incredible value.
0: Yeah. Is he I though? Mean, because, well, I mean, well, so well, hold I on. agree with Jim just said. It. Oh, I, just, but I
3: need to ask about the value thing because okay. round because he, six for him? Well, well, you say
0: round six, but you have to look at the other wide receivers. If I'm just looking at CBS ADP right now, round six is DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Cortland Sutton, Stefan Diggs, Marquise Brown. That doesn't feel like great value to I me mean, just because all of those wide receivers are great. The other guys because- have a
3: better, better value, for me at least. Right. But, that's what I'm
0: saying. And DJ you know, Chark I, is the next round, Jamie. I mean, DJ Chark is
3: round seven. Yeah, that's just stupid. Um, but, you know, th- I think the only thing like Ben and I probably differ on digs is like how many targets he's going to get. Like, I think he's still going to be around 100 targets. He had 96 last year. And I-, I don't know if he's going to go to 120 target guy in this offense. You know, I just don't think they want to be that type of offense.
2: He had 148 the year before, and, and I, I hear you. That was a way different Vikings offense. Um, but John Brown had over 110 last year. I think Diggs can get to 120, even 130 fairly easily. I agree with what Jamie said about um, Josh Allen, and you have to you have to have Allen take a step forward. I will say you don't have to have a great quarterback to be a top-ten receiver. Allen Robinson did it last year with Mitch Trubisky. He got 150 targets. Diggs probably won't. But he also did it years ago with Blake Bortles. I mean, we've seen guys have big seasons and Robinson's just the one that's popping in my head with subpar quarterback play, but there were also two top 10 PPR receivers with fewer than 120 targets last year. So it's not there. I think there's paths to this.
0: Okay. Uh, Dave players. You keep drafting.
1: I keep drafting Seahawks, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, I I love it when I'm, you know, in the middle of one of those quarterback runs and in our drafts that could happen in round six, maybe in, in a typical fantasy football draft when you get together with your buddies, that'll be round five. But you get yourself Russell Wilson in that run. Someone else takes Dak. Someone else takes Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray. I think Russell Wilson can have, at the very least, the same type of efficient season that he's had over the past few years. Or at most, he gets 20, 30, 40 more pass attempts on the season and he really rips up for a huge number, maybe closer to 4,500 yards and closer to 35 touchdowns. I really think that he's going to have a fantastic year. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact he's got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf to throw to. The efficiency with Tyler Lockett, is through the roof. I didn't buy it two years ago. Uh, You can certainly buy into it now, man. That catch rate is insane and I think DK Metcalf, rather, is going to be hard for defenses to corral. He's just such a big, rangy, fast receiver. He seems to be a a little bit better of a route runner and I still don't see the Seahawks defense doing enough to shut down their opponents. I think they're going to be in a lot of high scoring games, tack on question marks about the run game, love getting those guys. And I don't, I don't love getting Lockett and Metcalf together, but if I get one of them plus Russell Wilson, uh, I'm a happy guy.
0: Okay. So let me clarify here. If Dak and Watson and Murray and Wilson are all on the board,
1: and then I'm up, probably not going to take one of them. OK, you're going to hope I'm going that... to wait till my next pick. OK, no, it really depends if it's, you know, top pick of round six. And we're going back the other way in a snake draft and all those guys are on the board and I know none of them are going to make it back, then I'll probably take one of them, assuming I love my first five picks and there's no one else I love in another position. And that pick would probably be Dak Prescott before it's Russell Wilson.
0: OK, fair enough.
1: Russ is right behind Dak for me. I'll take him over Murray and over Deshaun Watson. So any other names you'd like to throw out? Ronald Jones. I've been drafting him as a number two running back. I'm I'm starting to take him in late round four now, just because we're seeing this drop off at running back. Can't justify taking Le'Veon Bell ahead of him. Can't justify taking Melvin Gordon ahead of him. So once we get to that point where um, you've got Melvin, sorry, you've got Carson Gurley. I think that's where he belongs. You could slot him in right there. And I still believe he's going to have a good year. Uh, I hope, Tampa doesn't do anything stupid, like put in a waiver claim for Leonard Fournette. That would be bad. That would be bad for Ronald Jones. Big obvious statement right there. But hopefully they don't do that, and Ronald Jones is fine. Tyler Higbee's been my guy at tight end since March. He's been my number five tight end. And not everybody sees him the same way I see him. I'm getting him as late as round nine sometimes, and I'm thrilled about it. Every other report I see out of L.A. is that he's coming down with a touchdown in a scrimmage or a practice. I think that's going to continue happening.
3: We had a fun conversation on uh, HQ with uh, Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Rams for the Athletic. And she said that Jared Goff, uh, you know, we've heard this uh, a couple different quarterbacks, but Jared Goff is hoping to get 3,000 yard receivers this year. He got two last year with Cup and with um, Robert Woods. And she said if if there's going to be a third, it's going to come down to Van Jefferson and and Tyler Higbee based on how they're using these guys right now. And she she thinks that, you know, uh, what he did last year is not replicable but it's not far off and so that he's going to be heavily involved in the offense. So she was really encouraged by, uh, by, by what Higby showed. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what he does with Everett back and um, the, the, the heights that he can get to because we saw it was pretty big last year.
1: He's their George Kittle. Okay, I, I, I know that sounds crazy, and he, he's not going to get as many targets or catches or yards as George Kittle, but he can fill that role for them. Uh, I've been drafting a lot of Darius Slayton, and now I don't know how I feel about it. I think Darius Slayton has some big play potential, but I've, I'm getting the sense that there won't necessarily be a surefire number one receiver for the Giants, but there might be a surefire number one target, and that would be Evan Engram. So all the energy that I've been putting into getting Tyler Higby, if he were to go in my draft before Ingram, I would shift to Ingram and get him next. Um, Him or Waller next. Slayton is someone that I kind of regret taking so much of. And then the last name on my list is Tom Brady. And it's mostly because I'm drafting with you knuckleheads and you keep letting Tom Brady fall until like round 10, round 12. I don't think that's going to happen in many uh, people's fantasy drafts. I think it'll go way before that ADP says as much, but if you're going to let Tom Brady, who I think is going to finish as a top 10 fantasy quarterback fall that late, I'm going to take him every time.
3: Okay. Uh, Jamie, you are on the clock. Uh, I take a lot of Deshaun Watson. You've heard me say if Those receivers stay healthy. Uh, ben mentioned one will Fuller. I, I take a lot of him as well, but if, if Will Fuller and Brandon Cook stay healthy, I think he's going to be in the MVP conversation. He has that type of upside in that, in that offense with how they're going to operate. Um, the running backs I take a lot of that I, I'm excited about. Josh Jacobs would be the the high end of it. Josh Kelly. I've, I've said a lot about him and his role with the chargers. I think it's going to be a big situation for him unless they, uh, decide to pull the trigger on Leonard Fournette. I think that's the caveat to all of this. Now, uh, any of these backfields we talk about, uh, the receivers again, Ben mentioned Will Fuller, Marquise Brown, uh, very excited about him. DJ Chark prior to today's news, uh, drafting a lot of DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin as well. Love both those guys. Um, As round four picks, uh, that you can, if you go running back, running back, you can take those two guys, round three and round four, if you so desire. But uh, round four, round five, if you are are lucky. Um, And then Blake Jarwin and and Chris Herndon. Uh, You know, I'm uh, thrilled about the outlook for those two tight ends you can get late. And and hopefully they uh, live up to the expectations I think that I have for them, which, you know, could be this this year's version of Mark Andrews and Darren Waller.
0: Okay, let's see if I've got everything here. Ben Gretch's draft list: Zach Moss, Boston Scott, Jonathan Taylor, Ronald Jones. D- no, uh, Zach Moss, Boston <laughs> Scott, Jonathan Taylor, Ronald Jones, DJ Moore, AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs, Will Fuller, Christian Kirk, Nikhil Harry, Brandon Ayuk, Leviska Chenault. I may have missed the name. Nicole
2: Hardman, Michael. Tyler Boyd, and okay. I didn't even say TJ Hawkinson or, or any quarterbacks.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. it's Matthew Stafford. Um, yeah, he's one. For Dave, Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf, Russell Wilson, two of those three, well, quarterback and wide receiver combo there. Ronald Jones, Tyler Higby, Darius Slayton, maybe not as much anymore, maybe pivoting to Evan Ingram, and Tom Brady. Oh,
3: Sterling Shepard for me too. He's my favorite Giants receiver.
0: Sean Watson for Jamie, Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard, Josh Jacobs, Josh Kelly, Marquise Brown, D.J. Chark, Terry McLaurin, Blake Jarwin, Chris Herndon.
2: I love... Those receivers on Jamie's list, and I didn't say Josh Kelly because I knew he would, but he's another <laughs> rookie that
1: I would I would throw out there.
0: Jamie, who's on the oh, do Steve not draft? Steve Sims. List? How can I forget Steve, Steve Sims? Sims? All <laughs> right, Sims. Got, you, you know what?
1: kids again this year, Jamie. You have to lock up those uh,
3: Washington wide
0: receivers, Terry hey, McLaurin and Steve <laughs> Sims. <laughs> Throwing
3: Antonio Gandy Golden too. Another one I like.
0: Might as well. You better start drafting Dwayne Haskins. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even say Logan Thomas. <laughs> you didn't say Logan yeah. Thomas. You did that. All right, Jamie, who's on your do not draft list?
3: Who's on my do not draft list? Uh, I mean, it feels like we're just doing the same show from the other night. Derrick Henry, uh, Henry. I'm not going to draft Derrick Henry. I'm not going to draft DeAndre Hopkins. I think their price tags are just not in the spot where I'm going to uh, take those guys. Um, I have not recently uh, been taking a lot of, I did earlier this offseason, but have not been taking T.Y. Hilton. Um, you know, I think we're going to see uh, the other guys take away from him enough. And the injury factor for his age at this point scares me. See that's um, that's
0: a difference I think between the show we did yesterday and what we're doing now. Like TY Hilton. I did not say TY Hilton. Right, but you yeah, know yeah, he doesn't have to be a bust to be on your do not draft list. Just there are right. so many wide receivers in that same range yep. that you like more. So right. yeah, maybe we can focus on those types of players.
3: Yes. Um uh do not draft list. I don't typically take um I I, I think Tyler Higbee is, is is great, but that whole group of tight ends um I just seem to avoid them like like once we get past Andrews I don't think I've drafted Ertz once I don't really take a lot of Waller Ingram and Higby and Henry that's kind of the next group so I kind of just lay out of that tight end grouping and if I can get Hayden Hurst at the right price that's a guy I'll jump in on but otherwise I think you you, you could tell who the the tight ends that I'm targeting late Hawkinson is is another one Gasecki is another one you know those those four guys uh that's And Jamie, what do we call that approach? Oh, uh, greater late, greater late. 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 Yes. greater late. Do you have a favorite of that group, Jamie? I have Gusecki right now at 10. I have Herndon at 11 and I have Jarwin at 12. Uh, Gusecki usually goes earlier in the drafts that we do. Um, but I think Herndon has the highest ceiling. I think Jarwin and Gusecki are kind of the same in their floors. Uh, because I think you see a clear path to targets for them. The thing that worries me about Herndon is the Jets. <laughs> it's just, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like they just find a way to screw things up.
0: Yeah, just to throw another name out there that we don't talk about that much. You know, we, we just mentioned him earlier today. I don't even like, I don't even put Devontae Parker in my queue. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want him. And it's he was so good at the end of last year. And he was good against Stefan Gilmore. And he was good against Tredavious White. I mean, he was great. Uh, and I don't know. I, I'm. I think as soon as they turn it over to Tua, that's a bad thing for him. And uh, I again, so many younger wide receivers that I like better. So I'm not going to call he him is, a bust. I just don't really want him.
2: He's on. He's on my list for all those reasons.
0: Oh, okay. We were going to get to him. How about that? Yeah. Uh, ben will go last. Dave, you are next.
1: Well, let's start with two guys near and dear to Ben's heart, and that's Jonathan Taylor and Will Fuller. Now, I have drafted. Both of those guys before, just not in drafts with with Ben or Jamie or Heath or Adam or anybody else involved with CBS Sports Fantasy Football, <laughs> because he's just going way too soon. Taylor is way too rich for my blood. And same thing with Fuller. Um, but it, it, I was in a best ball draft. Fuller made it to I think it was like round eight. And I know what he can do in a best ball league. Of course I'll take a chance on him, but I think it's nuts to go after Fuller in round five or round six. I don't think the upside is really that easy to see given his history. Taylor's up Taylor's the one guy. Jamie was asking Heath some, about something off air. And uh what, who's the one player that if, if you're wrong on you'll be you know
3: really upset. Who's the one you that you on? that, that you haven't drafted that you wish you did?
1: And for me, that answers Jonathan Taylor, because I think there's some great potential there, but I just see too many cooks in that kitchen. And so I can't I can't dig on him in round three or round four. So those are two guys that I'm just not drafting. I'm not drafting Keenan Allen, not drafting T.Y. Hilton, really haven't been drafting Odell Beckham kind of for the same reason as Jonathan Taylor. He's just going a little too soon. Uh, Le'Veon, David Johnson, David Montgomery you know, that's half the reason why Ronald Jones has pushed up so much for me is because I just don't want to deal with any running back that I don't have a lot of confidence in. And those are three guys that I have absolutely no confidence in for my fantasy squad. Okay. Le'Veon Bell,
0: David Johnson, David Montgomery, uh, Ben do not draft list. Yeah. Receivers.
2: I wind up not getting a lot of our Deandre Hopkins, Amari Cooper and Adam Thielen early. And then Devontae Parker later, I think, um, I got a lot of, feedback as well on the Julian Edelman Christian Kirk comments last week that we had the discussion we had Edelman's another good example. Jamison Crowder is a good example. Um, I don't, I I think Edelman's situation is going to be a lot different this year, a lot fewer targets. And I think uh, the way that I would, uh, as I thought about that this weekend, the way I'd frame it is what I expect from him. And what I expect from Jamison Crowder, I think you can find that type of production on the waiver wire wide receiver. Most weeks, you can find six to eight low value targets, low a dot underneath targets. Edelman's you know, it's a, it's a little uh, unfair to Edelman, but maybe it's 80% of him. I don't think he's going to be a, a top 10 guy again. At 33 with a new quarterback. They're, the running backs are... going to be a of, top 20 guy. Right. And then... Whenever I say doesn't have upside, he says, "Well, he was top ten last year." No, no, (laughs) but wait, but I don't even think that's in his range of outcomes. I don't either. I I,
0: I don't either. But but he's not even being. Is Julian Edelman like even a top thirty wide receiver in drafts? That's what I'm saying. I do think he has top twenty upside. I don't think he has top ten upside. But yeah, I could see him having uh, eighty catches and. A thousand yards and five touchdowns, or something like that. I mean,
1: wow! So a big receiving average,
3: big. Which, okay, yeah. I mean, right. that then I didn't do player... the math off
0: the top of my head, but but no, he's not going to have a big receiving average. He's not. Okay, no. he's not going to have eighty catches for a thousand yards. But I could definitely see Julian Edelman being a must-start PPR guy. Why not? Cam Newton has to throw to someone. Yeah, but
2: you can find guys like that on the waivers throughout the year. Not, not necessarily big, big in PPR weekly ceilings. Like Auden Tate was that guy for a while last Big year. Big weekly There's,
0: ceilings, but the difference would be Craig Julian Ward. Edelman would have a much higher floor, in
2: specifically in PPR, and he, for the full season you can project it for the full season. But yeah, I mean, I I just I don't. I'm shooting for guys that are going to be huge difference makers, especially in an uncertain year like this, or else I can move on from them
0: basically. But there are there uh, is some value to the steady eddies, you know. I mean, yeah, but is, you're not
1: taking them so, until after ooh, the high upside. Steady Edmonds, steady right? Steady right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree Look, with that, Dave. Yeah, you right. Take Edelman bad. might get you 13 PPR points per week. So could Sterling Shepard. Fair enough. And
0: then.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just think we we fundamentally disagree on the. I don't want to come like, out like I
0: don't have Julian Edelman on any teams yet. I I or maybe one. Um, I, I'm not like a super lot of people pro agree Edelman. with you. I'm not a lot super, of our
2: listeners agree with you. They
0: probably don't even know what my stance is. I like I'm not super pro Edelman or anything. I just I think he's fine in round six in a full PPR league as your number three receiver. That's pretty much how I feel about him. Carry on.
2: Fair enough. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Keenan Allen, are a couple other receivers. I haven't taken anywhere. Jared Cook, along with Emmanuel Sanders, Austin Hooper. Those are all receivers and tight ends. And then we know there's just a ton of running backs. Uh, when we did the bus show, Leonard Fournette was my number one bus. I also had Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Raheem Mostert, Mark Ingram. <laughs> all of those guys. Guaranteed touches are not guaranteed. It's a complete farce. Older running backs. like. <sighs> It's an opportunity-based position in the most um, volatile season we're ever going to have. Good luck. Go ahead and draft those guys. I won't draft them on any teams.
3: I just drafted somebody I've never drafted this season so far yet. Who? Patrick Mahomes.
2: Hey, there you go. I'd rather have him than every one of those running backs I just
1: named.
3: I took him in our 20-team office league.
1: Did you take him in round one? No, I can't. All right. Good. Believe just me, making you sure.
3: Uh, the way that this uh, league is set up, the first round, uh, the first 20 picks can only be quarter uh, running backs and tight ends. And then the second round is only wide receivers and quarterbacks, which are TQBs. So yeah, the, the it went Lamar Jackson, Michael Thomas, and I took Mahomes.
1: Which means you didn't just get Patrick Mahomes. You got Patrick Mahomes and Chad Henney. That's right. Nice. <laughs> Team QB
0: are the Saints number three.
1: Yes. Um, nah. Because no. you get you get the points for.
0: Yeah, you get the Taysom Hill touchdowns. Yeah, you get Taysom Hill. Drew Brees throws too. a he touchdown see, to Taysom Hill. He might Hill? get more
1: work now. Who knows? Whoa. Uh,
0: all right. So look, uh, one thing I've come away with here is if Keenan Allen has a great year, we're not going to be very happy about it. Uh, so please Monkey don't. Barn.
1: Yeah. So
0: he's on our do not Chargers draft fans will. Jamie said Derrick Henry, Hopkins, Hilton, Tyler Higby. That that middle group of tight ends. Dave said Jonathan Taylor, Will Fuller, Keenan Allen, Hilton, Beckham, Le'Veon, David Johnson, David Montgomery. Ben said DeAndre Hopkins. Repeat from Jamie. Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen, Devontae Parker, uh, Julian Edelman. He stole the Devontae Parker one from me. He made it sound like it was his own, but he just loved my reasoning so much. Emmanuel Sanders and
3: Keenan Allen. The Adam Thielen one surprised me with you because I would think you would like your starters.
2: Yeah, no, Thielen is one that would fall into the classification of Hilton. And you guys were talking about earlier, it's just guys that you don't end up taking. I I can see it, but he's a 30 year old with soft tissue history. And I don't think they're going to throw as much more as people hope. I think they're going to throw more, but um, if I'm going to take a low volume, number one receiver, I want a guy that I think has more splash upside. And basically that's AJ Brown for me in the same range, or it's Diggs later uh, who I love. So
3: Adam and I were having a conversation about Adam Thielen. (laughs) And he said, I think I'm out on feeling. And I said, I don't even know what I said to you. And it was like one sentence. And you're like, I'm back in. <laughs>
1: uh, well,
3: I here's
0: what I think. I, I said, I'm out. I think I told this story, by the way. Um, I said, I'm out on feeling. Oh, I told it on Twitch uh, with Heath last Thursday. I said that because I feel like he's breaking down. He reminds me of Demarius Thomas, who it seemed like Demarius Thomas was getting a little more injured. And Demarius Thomas, unofficially, according to just my eyes, one year had to lead the NFL in hobbling off the field. I, it always happened. And then he started getting like really hurt and missing it. And I was like, yeah, he's he's done. And I feel like Adam Thielen might be at that point in his career. But then I, I was like, what the hell do I know? I can't make that judgment on Adam Thielen. So. Even though I just have like a nervousness about him and his age and his injuries, because he's been injured two straight years, only missed time last year, but he played hurt two years ago. Um, I do think that if he's healthy, he's going to dominate targets and be really good, really good. So if you remember, Jamie, I, I did like a top 10 wide receivers at the end of the year or no, maybe it was after the digs trade. I think I, yeah, no, it was, it was,
3: it was, it was Super Bowl week.
0: It was uh, whatever it was. I mean, I had yeah. Alan, a- Adam Thielen like top five, or like fifth yeah. or something like that, because I really think he has that upside if he stays healthy. I just don't want to burn a third round pick on a guy that I feel like is breaking down. But then, you know, I don't want to play doctor. So I was like, I'm back in. Does that make sense? Long wine, long rambling explanation of my doctor. Dr. Aza. Dr. Azer. <laughs> Not in the cards, folks. Good news for the medical community. All right, uh, Stephen from St. Louis has our first email today. Dear Kyle, Stan, Kenny,
1: and Eric. 60% of your heart isn't working, but that means the other 40% is. <laughs> Have a nice day. You don't need surgery.
0: Yeah, I think I would get that one. I think I would definitely be, refer someone to a specialist. That would be my thing. It would come into my office. I'd be like, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. Get out of here. Um, what do you think about That'll this be trade?
1: $250.
0: <laughs> Make it out to cash. Uh, trade Josh Jacobs and Adam Thielen. For Julio Jones and Austin Eckler, which side would you rather be on? Jacobs and Thielen or Jones and Eckler?
1: Jones and Eckler. Jones and Eckler.
2: Uh, Jones, was it? Julio?
0: Julio. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. I'll take that side.
0: What other Jones? Oh, Aaron Jones. From
1: Todd. Yeah, I was
2: thinking of Ronald, actually.
1: Oh. Where, uh, where's Todd from? Todd is from... Todd is from Boise, Idaho.
0: Does it feel like we've seen the best season from Amari Cooper? Yep. Okay. Maybe. You know, the only thing I'd say is that if he can stay healthy for a full season, he you know, he would I, I wanna say he was a top five wide receiver at one point last year. And then the interest- He was
3: a he was number four receiver last year through the first nine games. He was averaging nineteen point four PPR points per game over those first nine. And then in his final seven, when he was banged up, he averaged nine PPR points per game. So tail of two halves there for him. Right, so the question again, have we seen the best season from Amari Cooper?
2: I don't think so.
0: You think it's going to be this season? He's he's never even had 1,200 yards. I don't know if it's going to be this season,
2: but I think he's only 25, or he's 26 now. He just turned 26 this summer. I I think we'll see a better year at some point.
3: The only thing that concerns me is is that what if they keep Michael Gallup and Lamb isn't going anywhere? Yeah, I think he might walk. Amari might wind up somewhere else. Well, not, not in the next not, few years, right? right? No,
0: actually, I think uh, I remember reading that after the NFL draft that his contract is actually surprisingly easy for them to get out of or trade or... or but like, if
3: he's producing like that, why are they getting out of it?
0: If, because he's, he might be too expensive. They signed him to a huge contract. They, I, I don't yes. think there'd be that much dead money. Maybe we could look that up. Uh, Jeff in South Jersey. Hey, Scott, DeCovney, Lee Curtis, Ledger, and Franklin. We got that? Everybody got that? Actors yeah. and actresses. But Adam, Dave, one? Jamie, Heath, Ben. Mm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The oh, That great actor, Ben, <laughs> ben Franklin. Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I just drafted my 12-team PPR Keeper League. I fell into a conundrum. Players can be kept for one round higher than when they were drafted, but have to be rostered all season or they can't be kept. So I kept Cam Newton in the 10th, but Josh Allen was sitting there in the 15th, so I grabbed him. Now I need to drop two players before week one to add a kicker and a DST. Do I drop Cam? My other options are Tevin Coleman, Antonio Gibson, Brandon Cooks, and Paris Campbell. Um, So I used to drop two.
1: You can drop Campbell before Cam. Those are the two you drop, though.
0: Campbell and Cam. Okay. Name starts with a -A C-A-M. You drop them. Email from Jeff in a suburb southwest of Chicago. Orland Park. Dear Scotty, Dennis, Michael, and Steve. Some crappy team from the Lakers. Yeah, Lakers. Knicks. I just drafted a 12-team PPR league from the number four spot. I went Kamara, Kelsey, Allen Robinson, Cup, and Chark. Avoiding the running back dead zone. Love it. Um, I took Matt Ryan in the sixth.
3: You're not going to love it if Kamara's not playing. (laughs) That's true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, James White was there in the seventh. He still only has Kamara. But then I was able to grab Alexander Madison in round eight, Tony Pollard in round nine, Benny Snell in round 11, and Daryl Williams in round 13. I felt like I hit a home run scooping up many of the premier handcuffs, especially with all of the soft t- tissue injuries we've been seeing in the NFL. Um, so what do you think? Are they handcuff home runs or busts with no cl- – or do I have a bust team with no clear running back two? Basically, can you make it by with Madison, Pollard, Snell – and um, Daryl Williams, I think he has James I don't, White too. I
2: don't think you can. I, I, I've i talked about this on other shows, but when you do this type of strategy, I think you need balance. Uh, he did get James White, I guess, but you don't want just pure handcuffs, you want guys with some standalone value as well, like the Zach Mosses and the Boston Scots. I've talked about uh, that's way too early for Benny Snell. I love Benny Snell, but round 11, you don't have to pay that price for him. Um, interesting, okay, all right? Like, I think it's too many of the same type of backup running back, is the right?
3: You, you need the one guy that's going to probably play. We don't know how successful will be is is Williams, because Kansas City has shown that they'll use two backs, um, but like that's not a good third, like that's if that's the route you're going to go, that's your fourth. So like I would go take a look now for one of the Jaguars guys, you know like Thompson, first Reichwell second, just to get somebody else that you know is going to get touches, but you may have to make a trade. Dan
0: in New Jersey just did a draft. He loves his team. And when it was over, he was offered Christian McCaffrey for his Clyde Edwards-Elair and Austin Eckler. This yes. is a three-wide receiver, full PPR league. So would you rather have McCaffrey or Edwards-Elair and Eckler?
3: McCaffrey.
2: I think I'm taking McCaffrey, too. I'm going to pull up my auction values really quick, or uh, sour cap draft values really quick.
1: But I, it's, I bet it's really close, for me, it's really close with those two values compared to McCaffrey. That's a great way to look at it.
2: Yeah, I do have them very close. You're right. Yeah, but I have the, the two backs slightly higher, but I still think I'd rather have McCaffrey plus whatever the roster spot is. You know? Right, right. I, that's
3: I, that's the key. I was going to say, like... Well, half the key. It's probably as, as fair a trade as you can find. Yeah. Okay. Because if, if Edward Solaire hits and Eckler does what we think he's going to do, that side wins. Yeah. But you're getting the the, the sure thing in, in right. McCaffrey.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, this is from Dean. Dear Walter, Donnie, Jeffrey, and Smokey. Those are the bowlers, apparently, from the Big Lebowski. Yes. Pick PPR team, pick two of these keepers. Michael Thomas with the ninth pick, Dalvin Cook with the 12th pick, Josh Jacobs with the 29th pick, and Raheem Mostert, <laughs> 149th. What's the format? PPR, 10 teams. Uh,
1: Thomas and Jacobs.
0: Well, wait, but why would you take Dalvin Cook? I thought you liked Cook better than Thomas.
3: Yeah, I'm taking Thomas and Cook. 100% Thomas and Cook.
0: Dave, you sticking with Thomas and Jacobs?
1: Yeah. Okay. All
0: right, then. That's our show for today. Thank you. I hope this was helpful. I think between the last two episodes you we've done, you should know who we like and who we don't like on draft day. We've got uh, Schrager. What do we got? Twitch Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, right?
2: Yep. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday for four straight hours on Twitch.
3: Hell yeah, man. All right, it's going to be fun. We're and we do also- have going uh, Tuesday afternoon. We got uh, T.Y. Hilton joining us on CBS mm-hmm. Sports HQ. All right. Tell him not to tell listen. Why I don't yeah, draft. don't
0: listen to this episode, T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what was. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, we're doing a live mock draft with listeners later this week. So be on the lookout. You can follow us on Twitter. I'll be tweeting about it. Thanks a lot to uh, the fans, Dave and Jamie. I'm Adam. Talk to you tomorrow.